I just wanted to say before we get started with this episode that this is a live stream and this is going to continue to be a live stream series on YouTube this offseason and all through the year. I will be uploading the audio here. So if you're hearing this, I appreciate you checking out the, the podcast. However, if you want to get involved in the live stream, ask your questions or see the visuals that are up on the screen as we discuss things, don't forget to check out the YouTube channel at youtube.com slash at GTE Fantasy. Don't forget to check us out on the Patreon as well, which is also patreon.com slash GTE Fantasy. And underdog fantasy, use code GTE if you're a first time user or player on the site. Use that code and you'll get a deposit match guarantee up to $100. So, again, check out all the stuff we have going on. Otherwise, enjoy the show. The base is loaded and one out. Oh, oh my God. Deep to right field. Way up there and way out of here. Second deck walk-off home run. Grand slam. Welcome in, everyone. This is the first of what's going to be a weekly live stream the rest of the season. We're starting in spring training, and we're doing these spring training lineups, or roundups, excuse me, where we're going to discuss lineups, uh, position eligibility, position battles, uh, what else I got a list here. We're going to discuss every spring training lineup, um, lineup analysis. I just mentioned that team by team uh, breakdowns in terms of like platoons, injury watch, who's replacing them. Just a lot to monitor starting in spring. So with that said, we'll jump right into it. And let's bring up this screen here. If I, Apparently if I can, there it is. All right. So this is my spring training lineup tracker. This is exclusively on the Patreon. But I'm bringing it from behind the paywall to show you what it looks like for those who might not have seen it before. We have, um, and if you're listening to this on the recording, this is going to be on the YouTube channel at uh, youtube.com slash at GTE Fantasy, where you can get the, you know, the visuals behind the audio. But yesterday we had five lineups drop. And again, the goal is to look at these lineups and decide what we can take away from it. Spring training, there's a lot of noise. The WBC is happening this this year, but there's so much we can still dive into, try to decipher playing time, platoons, lineup spots, and just a lot. And position eligibility, we have a guy that's already on position eligibility watch, a guy who doesn't who's entering the year with outfield, who can actually gain a, a shortstop eligibility rather quickly, and probably to be expected and being drafted as such. But stuff like that is what we're watching for. So last year there was like upwards of 60 names I had that we were watching the position eligibility for. And then there was also, um, and then of course you have just all the notes and whatnot. So again, this is the lineup chart. I'm not going to do this every live stream because obviously it's behind the paywall, but I will bring it out from time to time. And we're going to start with the Padres from yesterday. And something that caught my attention was Bogarts was leading off, and you'll see the I have notes here too. Um, but Bogarts was leading off versus lefty. Not too surprised. I mean, kind of surprised, but I mean, this was out Tatis and Cronenworth in the lineup. However, Cronenworth won't necessarily. Uh, lead off or even play against every lefty it's where he, that's where he struggles but bogarts has a ops was it like a career it was like an 870 ops i wrote 370 that's wrong 870 ops against lefties with uh it's a it's a i had it right the first time yeah 870 ops with 135 wrc plus so he obviously is able to hit lefties well bogarts leading off against lefties although i don't expect that to stick it's still something that caught my attention because well who says it can't? They had, last year it was uh, Hassan Kim that would lead off against lefties, and Bogarts is markedly better. Not to mention Bogarts, if he doesn't lead off against lefties, maybe Tatis will, but Tatis wasn't in the lineup, and that's kind of the only wild card of how the lineup will shake out with Tatis in there. But the top of the order against lefties yesterday, which 
the top four, I'd say, between um oh look at that. Sorry, between Bogarth, Machado, Soto, Cruz, just enter get Tatis in there and uh get Tatis in there, and you will be able to see that that top five is probably what you're gonna see against lefties. No Matt Carpenter. I would ex- like I said, I would expect Cronenworth in there, but towards the bottom of the order. Luis Campisano is a guy I really like this year. They never they didn't go out of their way to get another catcher. Uh, Austin Nola isn't what he used to be. And Campisano is a top prospect, and we know how aggressive this team likes to be with their prospects. And Fox, I pr- I appreciate you uh, chiming in about the spreadsheet. For the last two or three years, it was free. Now it's on the Patreon. So if you are interested, the Patreon is linked. Um, it's patreon.com slash GT Fantasy, where this stuff, I'm do, I'm actually doing these write-ups, like the, what you see, all those write-ups. It's actually, I'm, I'm doing them on a separate sheet as well. And so I'm kind of, I'm posting both every day. So people that are on the Patreon get access to both. I will occasionally drop some stuff from behind the paywall, which is going to be similar and all this. But this year, for the first time in three or four years I've done this, it did get put up on the Patreon. So I appreciate the interest, but uh, that's just that that's just what it is. I haven't, and obviously we have more lives to get to today. So this will be filled up a lot more because there's a lot more games today, but we're talking about the five teams from yesterday first. Uh, the next team up, I guess we have to jump over to the AL. So let's go over to the AL. And we have the Red Sox. And this one was weird. I actually forgot about it. Somebody tweeted at me about it. I was like, oh, yeah, the Red Sox, because they played a college team yesterday. So their lineup didn't show up on the usual lineup tracking spot or the usual side I use for lineups. Um, Yeah, what caught my attention was Masataka Yoshida was batting fourth. And I wouldn't think much of it necessarily. But then when you look at the top four in the lineup, that's pretty legitimate. The only player really missing Obviously, other than um, what's his face for second base, the name's escaping me right now. But um, you're missing uh, J- Justin Turner, which will likely DH, but him as a DH will probably move up here into the top three to four. Yoshida was expected to lead off, and I still think he will. But Duran leading off, I think it's one of those things where Duran is they want Duran to earn the job. And then when you think about it, they went out and got um, I gotta pull up the rosters here because you know memorizing a uh, Duval, memorizing all these rosters isn't always the easiest either. But they went out and got Duvall, right? So we all thought it was automatically Duvall's job. And it should be probably because Duvall's defense is way better than Duran. Duran's butcher with the glove. However, he's a butcher with the glove. But I think they still want – Duran's a former prospect for this you know, team. And I think they want Duran to earn this job. They gave him the leadoff spot. When he played last year for a good portion of it against right-handed pitching, Duran was leading off. So leading off – again, and it was against the righty. I actually, I don't know who it was against yesterday because it was against college. I didn't look into the college pitchers and all that because it's college. But – uh. Duran yesterday led off against a, uh, against what I presume to be a righty. However, I can't I can't uh, say for sure for sure. So it's one of those things that we have to watch for platoon here. To, will they let Duran get run against righties to start the year? Will Will his defense be good enough? He's made more adjustments at the plate for with his mechanics. So Duran is somebody worth monitoring for sure, especially if they're going to let him run with leadoff. And, and a couple years ago, when Kike Hernandez was leading off, everyone was like, there's no chance it's going to stick. Then the manager, usually we get some good quotes from the manager throughout the offseason that will back up what he's doing or help explain what he's doing. So if we can get some manager quotes, maybe we'll get some more insight on this team than your average team just before, without even having to wait more than a couple games. Just Because again, teams are probably going to start showing us, showing their hands with the WBC coming up because they want to get those lineup, they want to get an idea of what they want to do with their lineups before they lose some of the core players for the WBC. So I'm looking into these lineups very closely this first week because this is all we're going to get is in terms of consistency with these lineups until the last week of spring training as well. Um, Kike Hernandez batting third caught my attention, not because I think he was already kind of expected to be batting in the top half of this lineup, top third of this lineup, but batting third changes things a little bit. You know, Devers batting second still. 
Hernandez can run, he obviously runs into more uh, more uh, RBI opportunities. So it's just something to consider. Like maybe he'll have a little more RBI opportunities if he's actually going to bat third. But again, no Justin Turner. I can't sit there. It, I, it's really hard to see where these guys are going to land. Plus, I want to see how Duvall and Duran play out. I want to see if they do try to give Duran the playing time versus righties with Duvall with Duvall the playing time against lefties. But just a guess. My nose did. Did he? Okay. So okay, lefty starter. Thanks. I knew. Uh, thank you for that. Uh, apparently, the Red Sox actually faced a lefty starter. So, but again, it was also, yeah, you mentioned pulled after 0.2 innings and it was a, it wasn't a pro team. So there was probably, this is more just running through the motions. We'll see. Cause Duvall's coming off a year where he didn't really play that well. He's 34 years old. That's why I really feel strongly about the whole, let's see what they do with him. We all just assume it's Duvall's spot, but maybe it's Duran's spot to lose. Uh, yeah. There's been talks about Yoshida's power. I mean, it's funny because you see that talk about Yoshida's power, right? Thank you for the question, Sam. Uh, he's asking for those listening, not watching, how are we feeling about the recent reports for Yoshida's power? Well, I think there was, I think the quote was like a 70 grade raw power. Yeah. And if you watch some of the highlights, the dude hits mammoth shots. Like he, he hits nukes. Like <laughs> Yoshida can hit a nuke. That's not even a question. Obviously, we have to see how he translates all that into the against major league pitching. He's going to see a lot of minor league and lesser pitching. Although in the WBC, if we see them face off against the U.S. or Dominican Republic, he'll get some real, you know, some good looks against real pitching and pitching that's actually, you know, really trying, not just guys going out there working on stuff because that's the whole point of the WBC is to compete. That's something else. And again, that goes back to monitoring the WBC. It actually could have value. If Yoshida goes to the WBC and has value against these good real life pitchers who are actually going out there throwing their real stuff, not just working on things, that could be reasons for optimism or if he struggles and has like a lot of strikeouts that could be a reason for pessimism so the wbc isn't completely useless and monitoring this stuff during the wbc there's just different ways to do it now it's it's a little unique this year but yes um I, it's a long-winded way of saying i'm intrigued because you take that report of the 70 grade raw power and then you see that they put him fourth in the lineup day one and this is a guy who needs the reps it's not like they it's not like duran needs the reps i mean, I mean they, they both do why didn't they just bat them one, two? Why not get Yoshida up at the lineup spot that he should get either A, being comfortable in, or and B, getting him more reps at the same time? So the fact that they slotted him fourth, not emphasizing getting him as many reps as possible, batting him first or second, it again, it's just attention grabbing. We're talking about one-day samples here. We'll get more lineups today, but I doubt they're going to start back-to-back days. And if they do, that's great. I just, I'm not anticipating it. And yes, we have lineups rolling in right now, so there's going to be, a, I'll, I'll do a little bit of reaction to those before I get out of here at the end, once I'm done with these last recaps. But the goal is to do these live, live streams a few, day, a few days a week for those interested. I'll be doing a couple of these a few days a week, no more than 30 minutes at a time, recapping stuff, going over some highlights, and kind of touching up on all this. So if you if you if you enjoy it, subscribe to the YouTube because you can definitely catch those there. Um, if you can't catch them live, you can watch them back because I am going to have graphics and stuff for them. I'm actually going to custom make graphics for these, uh, not just use this chart. I'm going to have I'm going to pre I'm going to prep a little better. But one day I figured I could show off the chart here. Um, the Royals. Missing some core pieces, obviously, as well. And again, most of these lineups will. But, I mean, you know, you have Sal, Vinny P, and you have Kyle Isbell, all in spots that are relatively expected. Uh, Witt Jr. should bat the top of the order. They're missing, um, what's his face, uh, catcher uh, Melendez. So Melendez will probably slot top up here, which it's just good. It's one of those things that's almost like confirmation. You you have to expect Melendez to slot up here, considering how they put Sal and Vinny P in spots that are probably like more than likely to uh, – to stick and this bell last year he batted seventh most of any spot and these are the types of things i'm noting like i look i take what we're being shown and i go back and look at last year's track record with this team seeing how they treated players seeing where they hit, hit them last year and seeing like how we could see the playing time fall out 
So there is more to it than just like, oh, look, he's a he's a seven hole hitter. Yeah, but maybe he's not like a Bobby Wood Jr. Last year, he only let off like four games. So it's like, are they going to lead him off? Or is the bigger story here that Witt is sticking with shortstop after transitioning back to shortstop from third base for the final month of the season? Because a guy like Michael Garcia that I was really interested in, he can take a hit now because the, the path to playing time was at shortstop for him. But now Witt's gonna, it looks like Witt might be just carrying over his uh, shortstop playing time. And if Witt's carrying over playing at shortstop, that kind of – lessens the likelihood of we seeing Michael Garcia break camp as the shortstop, obviously, but maybe Garcia could play third or second because uh, will Massey pan out? There's a whole bunch of questions they have. What uh, Nate Eaton, uh, well, he's outfield, obviously. We get my point. They have players that if Garcia could play other positions, which I actually need to go look to see what positions he played last year, to be sure, which I can actually do right now. It won't take long. Because uh, So this is part of also looking at these lineups, trying to project who can come up and be difference makers, for fa especially for fantasy purposes, earlier than later. And a guy like Garcia, the reason why he is worth mentioning is because he has a fantasy-rich skill set in terms of stolen bases and decent on-base ability. The issue with um, Garcia is, again, just the, right now the path. But it's not even a path to playing time issue because it's not like they have a bunch of issue uh, playing time things going on here in, in – um, what's it called in Kansas city. It's Kansas city. The problem is, is they always seem to really like um, Dozier and guys like that. They have a thing for their, for their, you know, guys, they just do. They, they like to keep their, they like to keep their certain core guys, but I'm, hold on, I'm looking up. I'm trying to talk while looking this up. It's actually more difficult than it looks. So last year, yeah, last year, Garcia played strictly shortstop in DH. So right now he's not, and he's only played second base once it's been shortstop his whole minor league career. The last time he played any other position was second base in 2017 so yes garcia unless they move Witt over to third base which they've shown a willingness to do i don't see garcia breaking camp as the shortstop if they obviously keep playing Witt there all spring i think dozier is likely going to start third base among other they obviously have uh Johan camargo that played there yesterday but i'm getting again i'm getting but this is how granular we have to get here trying to project playing time especially for the deeper leagues the nl the al only types these names matter uh dcs where you're trying to find reserve round players that could just be relevant via injury via whatever uh, Garcia it's not gonna take much for Garcia to get onto this team that's why Garcia's still a guy I really like late especially because he's pretty much free and we, the word free gets thrown out or pisses me off but Garcia really is free in most leagues again except for all of your eight AL onlys but even in DCs he's like late around guy so uh just one of those things that you want to project that playing time and right now Kyle Espel is another guy that he the only thing you have to be careful with Espel though he was in a platoon for the most part um last year he I think he started against just three lefties so we can look at that lineup a little bit. Let's pull up their actual roster. I'm looking at roster resource just to get and roster resource. Great job. I look, I, I like to utilize them just for names. I kind of make my own opinions based on things based on what I follow and all that, but they do have obviously all the names, the rosters. It's a really good resource for that purpose. If nothing else. Um, yeah. Samad Taylor, Fernando Reyes. Like these are the depth guys for the outfield. Uh, Isabel might get some extra run because they don't really have a lefty. That they can, or sorry, they have no, they have a righty. What am I saying? They have Samad Taylor that could play that could be your hand, but they have other options. I don't know. I'm not going to sit there and bank on suddenly bank on uh full time playing time for Ispa after they showed us they weren't really willing to give them that last year, even at times when they needed uh, didn't have the depth either. So I appreciate this uh, around the diamond. The shorts output have been crazy. Yeah, I like to have fun with those. I try to get unique and have a little uh, something different, something you don't see on YouTube and TikTok and all that too often. Let's move over to, so um, yeah, like I mentioned, Isbell batting seventh seems likely. Uh, deeper league, obviously, guy, and that's where a lot of these, this value of this trait stuff comes in. Let's go to the Mariners because this one was actually very interesting to me. Because Colton Wong, they signed him in the offseason. I didn't expect him to lead off. I really didn't. I figured he'd be batting fifth, four, or fifth or towards the bottom of the lineup. Day one against the righty, 
he's batting leadoff. And it's it's significant in the fact that Wong is batting leadoff while the core of the lineup is in. Obviously, there's some, you know, there's a, we're missing um, what's his face at catcher and probably a different DH. I don't think Mike Ford's going to DH, obviously, but maybe. I mean, who knows? I think it's kind of uh, obviously Pollock was brought in for that. But, um, man, this is what sucks about trying to like trying to memorize players on every freaking team. And it's a, obviously, it's going to piss me off. I don't get it. It's, it's, a, it's an obvious name too for catcher there. Um, Cal, uh, no, 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 because they signed Calhoun. That's why I have Calhoun. Cal Raleigh. That's where the Calhoun came from. So Cal Raleigh's obviously not in the lineups, but that shouldn't affect Wong. Wong getting a chance to lead off with the with the core lineup. I think that's a significant takeaway to at least keep on like keep notice on because this goes from a guy who's gonna be batting towards the bottom half of the lineup who already had platoon concerns and still does to a guy that can gain a few extra plate appearances, which for someone like Colton Wong, plate appearances do matter. And uh yeah, so that's worth mentioning. And of course, that means Ty France bumps down from second where he hit most of the year to third in the process. And that could that could be close to that's like a hundred RBI spot right there. It's just a matter of health with France. So yeah, this lineup, nothing really. Obviously, we're watching Kelnick and how he performs. If you can, my thing with Kelnick and spring training in general, stats largely don't matter. But a guy like Kelnick, I want to see if he can improve the strikeouts. Uh, we saw guys like um, like Hira. Hira had a big spring training last year, but he struck out like a madman while posting gaudy numbers. If Kelnick is posting gaudy numbers while striking out 30% of the time, I'm not going to buy it. But if he's posting sub like a sub like a sub 22, 23% strikeout rate. Kelnick becomes a lot more interesting because it looks like maybe this approach change or the mechanic change, maybe it's paying off. Maybe he's finally coming into his own. He's still a young player, still has limited experience at the major league level. Not all prospect growth is linear, as Paul Spore will often say. Kelnick is a guy that I have my eyes on, but again, it's mostly I can care less. If he hits 15 home runs in spring but strikes out 35% of the time, I'm not buying in because that strikeout rate is more likely to carry over than the power production. We know the tools are there. It's not a question of the tools for Kelnick. It's a question of can he stop striking out. And obviously, he's another guy who should benefit from the shift ban, et cetera, et cetera. So we'll see. But um, I have my, that's the type of stuff when it comes to spring training. I look for strikeouts, like strikeout rates. And for pitchers, I look, like if pitchers have issues with walks and strikeouts, I like to see how they attack. Are, are pitchers improving their command and, and uh, command and control? Or are they still like, like Ryan Pep, Pepio from the Dodgers? Dude has electric stuff. He can get the strikeouts, but he has walk issues. If we see him performing better in terms of the walks in spring, I'm encouraged by that. That's something I look for. However, I don't care if his ERA is seven. I don't care if his strikeouts are like as long as the strikeouts aren't terribly down. It's all about it's all about the command and control. Can he attack the zone? Can this pitcher improve where he's weakest? That's what I'm looking for. And obviously, the performance of a new pitch, but that's hard to quantify in such a small sample usually, especially when pitchers are throwing it randomly. Um, I honestly don't know this answer, Fox. About uh, he asks what spring training stats uh, have the greatest correlation to regular season success. I don't, I don't think there, it's just such a small sample. It's a small sample of a small sample. Guys are playing what eight to 10 games out of like the 25, 20 to 25. We'll see or 20 or so that we'll see from them in a given off season. And on top of that, a lot of guys are working on things. A lot of guys are working on new, um, is it like, this off season? We're seeing the pitch clock and the hitter clock and all that get put into effect. We have, so we have hitters getting adjusted to that. We saw uh, what Machado get his first ever. He's the first ever major leaguer to, uh, to actually have issues with, with uh the he actually got a strike called on him for taking too long so that type of stuff is um that's what we're watching for more so than spring but in terms of stats like i said all i mentioned all i really watch for because i've seen some correlation but i don't have the r squared necessarily or anything else is that the strikeout like a hitter with strikeout issues in spring with and if it's been an ongoing issue or so, or like travis shaw a few years ago name drop i know but i remember him he had these issues with his mechanics in spring strikeouts were up that carried over and i don't, I don't think he was ever the same after that either so it's one of those things where I like to look at plate approach and 
and all that, like walks and strikeouts for me, I just, from what I can recall, have been the biggest carryover ERA home run, like obviously, and maybe power production could be something that I'm not sure that's overly sticky, but guys like, uh, I think was it, was it Chris Davis year? He broke out, had a huge spring. Uh, Will Middlebrooks, I think the year that he had this year had a good spring with terms of power production. So you don't want to ignore power production. I, I believe, uh, I think Adelise Garcia had a solid year too. the year that he broke out uh, in spring. So you don't want to completely ignore this stuff, but it's more or less, you can't bank on it. So in terms of, but in terms of actual correlation, very little, I would say correlates truly, but that would take somebody doing the, pulling the numbers and pulling the actual, like the actual correlation numbers. I'm going off of just, you know, since I've been monitoring this, since I've been, uh, watching this a lot more closely, what I've seen stick more so than what I can actually prove is stick. So I don't want to sit here and speak from a point of view. That's like, you know, a proven spot when it's not, um, onto the Rangers. I've already scrolled down to them as you can see. Um, and this one was interesting just because I put Mitch Garber here and I'm realizing maybe he's not, I'm going to take this off as a weak side platoon and kind of just make him. I think he might just run with it. I forget that last year I had to go back and look, he played like between catcher and DH, he didn't platoon at all. And I'm over here thinking, cause the, they have other options. They have Josh Smith. They have Brad Miller, which shouldn't be a thing, but they have them. Um, they have uh, Mark Mathias. They have, um, they had these guys that can all platoon and have splits. But if Garver's going to get full, like more so full run, it's going to be via the DH because the guy can't stay healthy. He's going to catch a little bit, I think, but not much. I expect that to be mostly uh, Jonah Heim. So a guy like Jonah Heim, I do, but I have him a little higher in my ranks because I expect him to catch more and get some of that volume. And Heim's a guy that had a little bit of an unlucky second half and another guy that should benefit from a shift ban and et cetera, et cetera. I mean, I say should, and I don't, let's not overemphasize the shift ban thing. It's ridiculous. Um, it's still, teams are still going to figure this out. It's just a matter of, uh, I think it's just going to be a small bump. Like if you're looking at reasons why a tiebreaker type of thing in the left, in uh, the guy's a lefty with a little bit of a bad bit issues and you, you can, and you can see a high shift rate. Yeah. You could probably say, okay, he's going to gain enough to where I might prefer him over this guy in the same range. It's not a reason why you should bump in a guy X amount of rounds up. Like let's, let's just, let's just make that very clear. Cause uh, people are overemphasizing the shift ban in my opinion, I think this year, cause uh, people suddenly what you think players aren't going to suddenly pull ground balls to the first and, second baseman <laughs> they might get a few extra hits obviously thus the batting average goes up but you get my point it's 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 over it's being overstated and overblown i think blown out of proportion but it, it's easy to get that way when we have all these new changes and stuff and we get excited oh man can't forget the drink gotta stay hydrated shameless plug of course as well with the with the gt cup anyway so uh that caught my attention i realized garver there's a good chance he plays full-time uh via the dh and catcher so we'll see. We have to monitor how if he starts getting run because again they just have other options. Uh, Jung down to seventh. That wasn't. I thought I plugged him in personally for six, which seven isn't terrible. But against the lefties, maybe Grossman gets moved up because we know Grossman does hit better against lefties. And we saw Grossman platoon with the Braves last year for versus lefties at one point because that was his stronger side. So we'll see. I mean, he had a, he had a home run yesterday, so of course that's gonna add to the hype, I'm sure. Uh, but Grossman batting sixth and Grossman's playing. Grossman coming in. Pretty much uh, Bubba Thompson, bye-bye. Other And obviously the other fallout is that there's less outfield spots for them. They needed this. So, like This team was lacking on-base ability in the bottom half of the lineup. They were also lacking any type of consistency. And Robbie Grossman, not the greatest, but can offer at the very least some consistency. So we'll see how he transitions to, to – and now you know he's not batting at the top of the order. There's less pressure on him. A lot of things. I think Grossman's going to come out to try to prove something. I think he's being overlooked and has some deeper league value. Uh, Josh Jung, though, still like him a lot. Still think there's a lot of upside there, a lot of potential. Former top prospect, a year removed from being a guy that everybody was really in on and a slow start. 
after coming back from injury, I don't see that as being a reason enough to be fading Josh Stone or to be so low on him. I, I feel like we often have these, the, we're just so quick to react. People are so quick to just write off somebody based on such a small sample or based on other, you know, outside factors that we need to see more from these guys. So real quick, it's uh we have about seven minutes left in what I want to do with this live stream. So I'll go through some of today's lineups, some stuff I just want to talk about. Um, so news, some news, the Braves, the Braves manager came out and said that today he's going to treat his lineup as if it was like pretty much opening day type of deal. And the, so my, my curiosity was who do we see DH and who do we see at shortstop? And there's been talks all off season about Grissom not being ready. Is he ready? Not ready. I thought he might get pushed back. He's starting day one in what is supposed to be close to an opening day lineup. Is it just to get Grissom some reps at shortstop still? Cause he still needs them. Um, I still don't think that's sold, but I do think, you know, that's still encouraging if the manager says X and we see Y, but we also see Albies at DH and that's because they also said that Albies will be getting eased into spring training via the DH. So let me pull that. Let me actually pull that screen up real quick here. Sorry. Just a moment. How the heck do I, oh, you would think I would know how to do this a little better. One second, share screen. Here we go. Boom. All right. We're sharing screen. We're looking at, uh, we can do this. It's a little better. You see my, we see more of my pretty face this way. Um, but yeah, we have, so we have the Braves and the, and the, and the Red Sox. And this is the line I'm looking at right now. And this is what I was like, pretty curious about to see how this would turn out. And yeah, so we have Olsen batting second, pretty cool Rosario, but it's a lefty. So again, this is was Rosario batting fourth. I don't know if I buy that. Who's missing? Someone has to be, let's pull. This is where I have to pull. This is why when I, this takes me so long. I have to sit them like, who's missing? Let me go. Go to their actual page and pull up who's missing and try to correlate that. This is why you're watching me do this in real time. Um, Michael Harris. Michael Harris. Oh, it's a versus lefty. So this is what I was getting at. I thought maybe we would see Harris Albies platoon up here. Platoon, but the fact that Albies is batting fifth against a lefty, even and even though they're easing him in, it's interesting because I expected, you know, kind of a platoon from the two spot. Harris getting against righties. But if Olsen's already batting second and against a lefty, maybe this is just how they're gonna plan out these top three here. So maybe there is no platoon at second in the second in the two spot to start of the year. Maybe Olsen's going to slot back in. We saw Olsen bat second at times last year. We're missing Sean Murphy. I knew there was a big name that we're missing. And Ozuna, of course. But and Ozuna usually plays against lefties. And I know last year he had some splits where he was actually better against righties. But Ozuna will factor in as well. But again, Albies being eased in via the DH, that obviously changes things. But yeah, no Sean Murphy, no Ozuna. We can, uh, and Eddie Rosario batting fourth against lefty won't happen. He might not even play against lefties, honestly. So uh, I'd be surprised if he did, because just how bad he was last year. So yeah, uh, when that, so this is my interest, my spot versus left. Just in general, my spot to watch here is the two spot for the Braves and the shortstop battle, which Grissom gets first first looks. I'm I'm hopeful. I think Grissom, in terms of talent wise, Grissom can do it. I just wasn't sure that they because like it was weird. You had mixed all offseason. It was mixed mixed signals. Ron Washington's like, yeah, I believe in him. He's working hard at it. They had like three workouts. But then, like, you have some stuff from, like, the GM and stuff saying, like, well, you know, maybe he'll start off in the minors, blah, blah, blah. Hopefully we get a clearer picture. Hopefully Grissom comes out and proves he's ready for it because he's the he's the name that we all want to take it take it and run. Um, yeah, see, this is and this is when you have to laugh at spring training lineups because look at Biggio and Espinal at the top, LOL. Abrams, so this is funny. One day, like yesterday, there was a quote I pulled this morning for, from an article that said that these two right here for the Nationals won't will be batting towards the bottom of the lineup. And looking at it, it's still pretty much like I don't see why it won't happen. They're missing a lot of starters. This is just them getting reps at the top. Uh, it's just funny, just the timing. So this is when you have to look through the like you, you look at this and you realize you can't take any, anything really away from this lineup. A because of how much they're missing from it. B because of uh, 
because of the, the quotes from the manager. So I'm more likely to lean towards the quote of the, the manager quotes for now until we see, if we see this consistently throughout the whole spring training, as they get full lineups in, then I'll change my opinion. But right now I'm leaning towards believing what the manager said compared to, although actions speak louder than words. In this case, I don't think they necessarily do for this whole lineup. Manessa Manessa's batting third. I could see that stone Garrett getting a start right away. It's nice to see. I'm hopeful he can steal a spot because guys like uh, Alex call, Eh, you know, whatever guy, the problem with Garrett is his strikeout rate and all that, but yeah, um, nothing to see. Abreu batting third. People were, people thought there was a chance he wouldn't bat top of the order. I think he still will factor, still will factor into the top, not the top of the order, but like people were saying maybe he bats fifth. I always thought he would bat third or fourth just because of how they like to go left, right, left, right. But there's no, uh, we're missing a few, obviously that this lineup, there's nothing, it's trash lineup, trash lineup. Um, this one is interesting only because you like, you know, Kutch and Kutch batting fourth, Santana batting third, and Onuko's batting, batting first. All you're missing is Brian Reynolds right there. This is very realistic. And these guys are two guys that are going very late in drafts with a lot of potential for upside and just overall production potential. And Kutch, he was actually, a, he was oddly affected. As a righty, he's one of the few righties that stood out to me when I was looking at shift numbers. So maybe he benefits from the shift ban a little bit. Or, but in general, he's getting playing time. You know, he's it's like it's like the farewell tour. I think this is final. I think he's gonna retire for this year. He gets to play for his, you know, the team that you know kind of made you where he made his name. I, I think McCutcheon gets full run this year, and I think he plays full time. He still has a power speed skill set. No reason why Kutch can't be something solid for fantasy, especially considering where he's going in drafts. And Santana, one of the bigger shift benefiters, most likely. He has jumped up in ADP, but still very much in the reserve rounds. Heart hits still hits the ball, ball as hard as ever, still has elite plate discipline. These are things that are going to help him play up. And again, the playing time is going to be there. And in, in, for, for, I don't see him not playing pretty much. Uh, and this again, off the top, like this, I'm watching, what I'm watching here is third base. Paredes gets a start against at third base against a righty. And this could be, this could hold because they don't really have a third baseman right now. And Walls, who's expected to be one of the bigger factors in terms of like fighting for playing time, is dealing with an injury right now. Not because the bat isn't good, but the glove is really good. So, but hey, if Paredes can run with it over Aranda, Aranda, and all that, that's that's great for him. Um, Nick Gordon at shortstop, weird. I guess they're gonna probably they're probably gonna utilize Nick Gordon the same way. He's probably gonna play most days, just all around the infield and outfield. He he's just gonna have the value. He's gonna play most though because that team likes to to rest people against the lefty. This is I, I I'm expecting Dahlbeck to get most starts against lefties with um with Cassis sitting so i feel like that's that's an obvious uh platoon situation there that makes too much sense what else do we have and that's kind of it for those uh no other questions so i appreciate you guys checking out the live stream those who stuck around it's 30 minutes perfect this is what you should expect moving forward about this long or um subscribe to the youtube i greatly appreciate it and for those catching the end of it you can watch it later but yeah uh yeah that's all i got appreciate you guys checking it out and we'll be back later this week